Today's video is brought to you by storyboardthat.com. Please visit teachercast.net slash storyboardthat for a limited time offer. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the TeacherCast podcast. You are listening to the podcast that brings you the best in educational technology right from the educators themselves. I'm thrilled today that you have decided to make TeacherCast your home for professional development. My name is Jeff Bradbury, and if this is the first time you're listening to our show, thank you so much for joining us today. We have a great show in store for you. You can, of course, contact us and participate in our show or be a guest by leaving us a voicemail at teachercast.net slash voicemail emailing us at feedback at teachercast.net, finding us on Twitter at TeacherCast, or subscribing to our audio channels and video channels over at teachercast.net slash iTunes and teachercast.net slash YouTube. My guest on today's program is Dr. Bill Brennan, the lead innovator of Farmingdale Public Schools in New York. Dr. Bill, how are you today? Thank you so much for coming on the program. I'm doing great, Jeff, and uh, thanks so much for having me on. So so glad to connect and be a part of this fantastic community that you've created. Thank you so much. And, you know, I'm glad you mentioned the word community. Today we're going to be talking all about communities, professional learning communities, and, and why it's important to build these communities and ways to do it. But first I want to ask you a question here. You call yourself a lead innovator. What What is a lead innovator? <laughs> great question. Uh you know, the truth of the matter is it, it kind of happened about three years ago, and um, I was speaking with many of my colleagues and, and, and the district and, and even outside of Fordham University and uh, where I do some adjunct work and had, had received my doctorate over there. But um, this idea of technology and the reality is is that for the kids we educate today, none of them view the tools, the devices, all that sort of stuff as technology. So in a way, it became this um, – mechanism by which we change our narrative. You know, we don't talk about um, blogging as technology. We don't talk about uh, these things as technology. We just talk about them as a really powerful way to integrate our audience and uh, truthfully engage and empower kids in ways that have uh, perhaps not been as possible as they are today with technology. This whole idea of engaging and empowerment, it's, you know, it's all over Twitter if you're out there on Twitter. And this concept of giving kids technology as a thing is is really becoming archaic, thankfully. And just the idea that, you know, if you have an idea using technology as a tool, it's, it's allowing students to create some amazing things. You're seeing some of that innovation in your school. Talk to us a little bit about the things going on at Farmingdale. So, Jeff, we have been, and not just Farmingdale alone, but so many districts across Long Island, New York State, and for that matter, perhaps across America, you know, we've created these uh, silos and not necessarily connections. We've been working in this um, rank or hierarchical structure in our organizations and not looking at relationship. Um, and we've constructed these these hierarchies and ranks without building and so our work now, as we kind of try to educate and lead in this digital age, is really around building the context, and we're all in that together, right? 
Uh, just this morning, I was with our high school faculty at the conference day, and you know, we, we repeat this all the time. It's part of our growth mindset that we don't know what we don't know yet, and we add that one word to that, and that's that's important. So, um, highlighting the fact that we are all in it together. Uh, we're you know, there is no expert in the room. We're we're all experts with a passion, and um, it's about trying to. Um, Called genius, frankly, in, in, in our teachers and, and our you know administrators and our students, most importantly, right? Now I'm glad that you said the word yet. You know, and let's go back to what you said. You don't know what you don't know yet, and I find that a lot of educators think they know what they think they know, which is Twitter is bad and Facebook is not for kids, and all these these myths. And then you have this movement, and you could call it the unconference movement or the connected educator movement, which says some of these things can be used to help students and, most importantly, student achievement. Where are you on this fence? Jeff, uh, I, I have seen such incredible uh, changes in myself. I first got connected on Twitter. I've seen this transform our organization. But here's where I think many of us make the mistake. Um, we, we sell Twitter. You know, we're out there pushing Twitter. And I would say to, to others, let's not push the, the Twitter piece. Let's not just push the connected edge piece. Let's tell powerful stories about how this is forming learning. And take Twitter out of the picture. That just happens to be the channel by which some of this stuff uh, takes place. When you make it personal, when you get people emotionally and cognitively engaged in this, it's tough to argue. And the connections that we're forging via Twitter and via virtual communities of practice and other forms happens to be changing the way we are learning as individuals and transforming our organizations. And um, I know that in, in Farmingdale schools, we don't sell Twitter. We just tell powerful stories, powerful stories about how it's changing our learning. And we've seen at least 100 teachers right now in just over a year and a half um, come on board with Twitter and, and using it on a professional level as a way to celebrate the work that's going on in their classroom and all of our principals and a number of our assistant principals and teachers are just purely uh, connecting with educators around the world. Talk to us a little bit about some of those stories. What things have you seen over the last little bit, and how is that affecting students in the classroom? So, Jeff, one of, one of the things that um, you know is important to understand in that situation where we don't know what we don't know yet is that we're hanging out with the people that are always – learning on the edge, you know, pushing the conversation in that right direction. And so what we've done is we've created our organization in a way that have, I'll call them open portals, so that ideas can come into the organization, come into our system, and then, you know, proliferate and, and grow and, and go somewhere. So let me give you a couple examples of this. Um, the first is we have uh, a number of our elementary teachers across Farmingdale uh, School District uh, have been on Twitter at kindergarten, first grade, second grade, and third grade, and fourth grade, and they've actually been connecting with other educators and doing uh, Google scavenger hunts with some educators, in fact, in New Jersey and Pennsylvania. They've participated in um, many projects. There was uh, uh, the, the teddy bear project where we had an exchange program with uh, a teddy bear that had traveled around the world that was in our kindergarten class. And, you know, our kids started to engage in Google Hangouts, participate in online chats, discussions with kids from around the world. And um, it, it, to, to, to give that experience, that authentic learning experience to our kids just really makes the learning all that better. Now, you call yourself a lead innovator. What types of things 
are you doing to help your teachers out? Are you going to them and saying you must participate in a Twitter chat or in a in a Skype call or what is this more the teachers asking you, can I do these things or is it more the administration going down and saying, why don't you try this stuff? So it's completely um, the second piece, right? It's it's telling powerful stories. None of this is a mandate, and it never will. Uh, at least that's that's my belief. But I think that when we can touch people's hearts, minds, their souls, and uh, get them emotionally and cognitively engaged, and why this matters, how this helps kids be engaged in the learning, empower their learning, and um, Frankly, um, let's take the content out of it or how well they perform on an assessment for that matter. Let's have kids develop a passion for learning. Let's have kids develop an understanding of how they learn. And imagine having that experience as early as elementary school that you learn something about yourself as a learner. Mm -hmm. I I love that idea of, of getting kids to get this passion of education. And, you know, we always say that education doesn't start at the school. It starts at home. What are you at Farmingdale doing to help engage parents in this learning process? So Twitter has been our first step, right? And uh, many of our teachers have created their teacher accounts and, and sharing the work that's going on in, in the classroom. You know, my, my kids are now, I have a first grader and a pre-K and you know, the big joke is that when they come home, you'll get the experience. Well, what did you do today? Oh, nothing, you know, and, and of course you've done something. So, um, it's neat to see teachers sharing what's going on throughout the day with parents and uh, you know via Twitter. But we're also using a number of different other ways. You know, um, videos and and Remind as a great app has has been wonderful. But the port, the most important thing is this: is that getting parents understanding of the importance of these tools and what it's going to mean to their children when it comes to learning. And so we want to put parents in a position where they're empowered to have those meaningful conversations, those important conversations at home with regards to digital citizenship, with regards to digital literacy, you know, with regards to just being a learner today. And frankly, that's a tough thing to do for parents that are not engaged in that context every single day. Um, we've just ran, um, thanks to our teacher center, a really wonderful university. Um, probably over 100 parents attended. It was our first year doing this. And we offered workshops um, all over, you know, from digital citizenship to extreme Googling to your footprint to even cooking classes and, and math classes and, and things like that. So we're really trying to reach the community in many different ways. What are some of those topics that you feel that parents need to know a little bit more of? Is it more of the how to? Google or is it just, you know, network basics or where where can a school district start when they want to bring parents into these conversations? You know, so here's the thing, right? Parents it's probably it's a tough time, right? I think to be a parent today with all these other tools that exist. And you know, we worry that our kids are doing them the right way. So we have to ask ourselves the question, what do we do? Mm-hmm. How do we help them? Do we ignore it? Do we push it away? Um, or do we frankly learn a little bit about the new context and we start to model this behavior uh, at home? You know, I'll give you a great story. Um, my son's always curious, and you'll see as your kids grow up, they constantly ask questions. They'll hit the two-year-old phase where everything is why. And uh, that's more. And so one of the things that we talk about before we go to bed is uh, as, as 
topics come up that, that he's interested in my daughters in, we say, well, maybe, maybe we can research that. How might we go about researching that tomorrow morning? And maybe we'll discuss looking it up in a book. Maybe we'll discuss looking it up in a different uh, search engine. Or, um, you know, he's even taken library classes where, you know, d databases are just great tools to access all this information and knowledge. So, um, you know, we try to take an active role um, with this. In fact, my wife, I speak about all the time, models really effective use of social media. She runs a community on Facebook and she blogs at RaisingNaturalKids.com. And, um, you know, we're just trying to build community there for parents to be informed, you know, because knowledge is the key to making informed decisions. Let's talk a little bit about the way that you and your school district are using social media. You said that you're encouraging your teachers to create Twitter accounts. Is that a Twitter account for them as people, them as a classroom, or them as a teacher? So we've seen a mix of all those things. Um, and usually the way this has started is somebody has said, uh, I want to create one for my class. You know, and then what happens is they create a one and they do this for themselves in terms of their PLN. And frankly, it started off as one and they're the ones that are the influences that are, you know, pushing the envelope where their colleagues are coming to them saying, how do I do this? I want to do this. You know, professional development for the most part has been structured in these, you know, rigid, rigid structures where there's a time you're going to get PD and there's a place where you're going to get PD. But we know that 80% of the best learning takes place in these informal networks. When people get together and construct knowledge, it might be in the hallway, it might be in the library, it might be over lunch. And so as the lead innovator, frankly, we are really, I'm really concerned in working with principals about most, um, the best spaces and opportunities to foster these meaningful conversations with teachers, with my administrators, and with, um, with students. And what advice do you give your teachers as far as getting into these things? I mean, do you have guidelines that you set up for what a class Twitter account should be or what a safe uh, um, adult, you know, Mrs. Brown kind of Twitter account should be? So, yeah, we, we, um, we, we do. We've given some guidance on that. Um, and, and the principals have sent a letter home, you know, advising parents that if, uh, you know, they letting them know that they're doing this and that if they, you know, don't want to participate, by all means, let us know. And, um, you know, clearly we don't attach names and things like that to kids. It's, you know, just basics right there. Um, but as the teachers continually try to do this, um, you know, they're surrounding themselves with teachers, not just in Farmingdale, but with other teachers around the country and the world. And so, you know, they're coming to me a lot of times, Jeff, and saying, you know, hey, check out what I did. In fact, I've built a list now for Farmingdale teachers, and I've gotten really slow about it. i got to get on it today. I was talking to the principals because we have about 100 teachers or so on nice. it, and I, the list isn't big enough. And I like to go in there and just check and see what's going on. Like, man, look at all the sharing that's going on. Mm -hmm. Look at all the learning that's going on. And if you look at that from a knowledge management perspective, there's six buildings in Farmingdale. If I'm unable to get to all six buildings every day, which you, you know is impossible, um, I am, in a way, able to connect with these individuals and see what they're sharing and see what they're learning and participate outside the formal face-to-face. -face. But the best part about it is, Jeff, tonight I might look at some of the feeds from my teachers, and tomorrow I might run into them, or next week I might run into them in a building. And now we have the tools to have a real cool conversation about some of the things that have been going on. And so 
it's really exciting. And and that's a neat thing that you mentioned there. There's there's Twitter lists, and I'm going to ask you in a second to maybe tell us what a Twitter list is because that's one of those hidden features of Twitter. You know, so many times when a when a classroom is looking to do a Twitter lesson or teach their students about Twitter, they just want somebody that's going to write back to them at a specific time that they're having class, and to have a Twitter list of safe educators, particularly in your case, in your district. I'm jumping ahead. Tell us a little bit about what a Twitter list is. So a Twitter list is the, simply a list, right, that you can add some people to. You know, if you want to touch that list, you know, mine is Farmingdale Educators on Twitter. And, um, you know, I can go in there and see the list of people that are on that list. I have um, some other lists. I, I've connected some lists from Scott McLeod, who runs a uh, list for educational leaders. And so I look to a person like Scott McLeod, and, and I believe that what he puts in there is good stuff. So uh, in a sense, I'm, I'm excited to look at that list and learn from people and connect with people and build my PLN. So I do encourage the same thing. You know, we encourage our principals, um, our teachers to, um, I say, connect with smart people, right? Connect with people that are thinking what you're thinking. Um, if we look at this from the sports analogy, right, um, I was uh, a swimmer for my whole life. And, you know, if you put me in a pool with a bunch of fast people uh, that are faster than me, I'm going to get faster. If you put me in a pool with a bunch of people that are slower than me, I may not be as driven to get faster. And the same is true in the sport of basketball. You know, play with people that are better than you, and you get better. You follow smart people. You connect with smart people. You're literally drafting off their intelligence. And and I, I can't echo that enough and say that is absolutely true. You know, I had a student the other day ask me, like, what's my job? Why am I here? And I thought about it, and I actually – took my answer from some of the lessons I learned as a music director and as a conductor of, you know, we have one job and it's to motivate and to inspire people. And I, I work with this school district in South Jersey where I, I run their website and I run their staff portal. And every Tuesday I always try to find something motivational to put up there, whether it be a blog post or a video or something. And I was looking through some Ted talks and I noticed that you yourself have done a Ted talk recently Yes, I. Uh, in fact, it was uh, March uh, March twenty eighth. Uh, Teachers College, so Columbia University. Um, it was an incredible experience. Um, in fact, I spoke about this concept of um, perspective and how we gain so much perspective uh, when connected with so many other people on Twitter. And um, when we look at that, you know, as a means to enrich our own learning when we're constantly in the flow of ideas. You know, for years we participated in what they've called knowledge stocks. And Don Tapscott, I love how he says this. He goes, but this knowledge goes sour so fast that we simply have to participate in flows. And right, isn't that what Twitter creates for us? Mm -hmm. These social networks create for us? Literally a flow of knowledge, a flow of information will take it a step further to the intelligence of other human beings. And so what does it look like when an organization can tap that latent energy, right, that energy that's going unused in an organization and put it to use in innovative ways. Um, you know, I think in general, engagement has been at an all-time low when it comes to professional learning. I think creativity has diminished. We're only getting better at, um, at improving these sort of things. And, um, you know, that's, that's really what, what I do. And I love you mentioned the word orchestrate, right? You're there to inspire. As the lead innovator, my work is really to orchestrate human capability 
to figure out ways to challenge them, to inspire them, to get them thinking, develop a new mindset about what it means to be a teacher, a learner, and a uh, and a leader today. And so, um, I respectfully push back and and challenge people's thinking on a daily basis. And that's the best work in the world. How do you prepare for something like that? I mean, the the idea of stepping on a TED stage for some is very very big, and for some it's hey, this is kind of old hat. How do you prepare for a, a, a TED talk? So Jeff, that's uh, actually quite a personal uh, experience for me, and I, I don't know, I, you may be aware of this, uh, two days before my teacher college experience, I had lost my brother in a car accident, and um, everything went out the window, everything. You know, what am I going to do, what am I going to talk about, and I stood up to my parents and my other siblings the day before this talk, and I said, I can't do this. I simply can't get up there and do this, and every one of them encouraged me to get up there and do it. And so I was able to celebrate my brother's life, uh, a, a young man at the age of 32 who was literally helping people with uh, addictive behaviors. He had just graduated medical school and was going to dedicate his career in medicine. So I had the chance to celebrate his life as somebody that was truly an agent of change, somebody that was um, sort of willingness to improve his own life and to work hard to help others. And so when I tell you whatever I planned on saying, Going into that, went out the window and uh, got up on the stage, and my brother was with me up above. Um, I don't recall being on stage, but I was very pleased with the uh, you know experience after I saw the video. The, the speech was was quite moving, and uh, you know, congratulations for putting on an, an amazingly uh, motivative, motivating uh, experience there. Thank you so much, Jeff. It means a lot. It was uh, it was a tough one for me, but I'm. I'm glad I was able to honor my brother's life in, in doing that. So thank you. You know, one of the things that I know that you're very knowledgeable about is the art of getting up and presenting. In fact, that's actually where you and I met, if you remember, at Edscape a few years ago. Um, you've got this article that you wrote called The Secret Life of Change. Um, tell us a little bit about that. Wow. So, right, change for many is this elusive concept, right? Okay, we've changed. Are we are we there? Like we're done now, right? Organizations and individuals are constantly growing. So I don't even like this idea of change, right? I've thought about this through a different lens. What about momentum? Right? So momentum of an object, let's just take a baseball physics story, right? The momentum of an object is equal to the mass times the velocity of an object. Let's get and think about does an organization possess a mass? Does an organization possess a velocity? And let's break this up, right? The mass, the way I want to define this, is the carrying capacity not just to learn, but unlearn, times the velocity, which is the engagement in learning. Breaking those two things apart, that's the work that we've been trying to do, is create more opportunities for our organization and all the individuals to learn and unlearn, which is key. The unlearning is key. But do that in a way where the velocity or the engagement in learning is completely different. And so the reality is, is that, right, professional development is not something that happens every third Tuesday of the month. Teachers are always learning. We have to do a better job, I think, of giving them the space and the time and the creative freedom and intellectual freedom to, to really do uh, this in ways that are meaningful. Well, talk, um, talk to us a little bit about that unlearning because, I mean, we've got – a few layers here. We have the unlearning of a student when they walk into your classroom that may have been taught 
amazingly from another teacher, but you have a different system and you need to unlearn that and, and you know, re-get them into your system. You've also got a teacher that might come in with some, you know, social media is bad. I don't want to do it. Who's this guy telling me to get onto Twitter? And then you've also got this unlearning of a community. And with community, I'm going to use the capital C, which might include parents, and it also might include your board of education, that you have to sit here and, uh, I don't want to say motivate, but get them to buy into how wonderful things are sometimes. Talk to us a little bit about the process of unlearning. So let's look at unlearning through this lens of, right, we have these mental models about the way that we perceive the world. Um, Peter Senge, uh, one of my favorite authors, referred to these as uh, deeply ingrained assumptions. There's essentially these neural networks that are ingrained in our head about how we we view our role as educators, um, as human beings, you know, whatever it is. Um, and so it's really important to try to build the models, to challenge people to think differently and to step out of that. Now, Jeff, that does not happen with uh, force. <laughs> that does not happen with threats, and people don't do that when fear is a reality, right? Um, people need to be emotionally and cognitively engaged in the work. They need to have. Tr we need to have trust in the organization that it's okay to take risks. It's okay to try things that are uh, new. And in fact, we encourage you to do that. Um, that's the kind of environment or the conditions we're seeking to create, where people are comfortable with being uncomfortable and comfortable with stepping out of their comfort zones. And again, the only way to do that, or the best way to do that, is to model it, to model it, and to model it. And the biggest experience or the biggest success story that I've seen in my district over the last couple of years is the role that our principals have taken in leading this work and the role that many of our teachers have taken in leading this work. And I love Todd Whitaker says it, when the principal sneezes, the entire building catches a cold. And that is so true. So with all of us taking the role of technology as our job, um, it's had a ripple effect really across our organization, and it's creating, in my opinion, a new narrative about um, how we perceive teaching and learning. And, and what is your philosophy right now on teaching and learning? So it's very simple for me. Students have to be the center of the experience, and I'm going to make this really simple, right? Um, the person that should be working the hardest in the room is not the teacher. Design matters. We're, you know, I think we have to think about the way we design lessons, and it should focus on really two things around the curriculum, the instruction, and, you know, and the assessment. Does this engage kids, and does this provide opportunities to empower kids? And as a result, you know, um, when that's the focus, when that's the design, good things will come out of that. We're, we're constantly, um, you know, testing different ideas, different experiences. I mean, we're really, really into Google Apps for Education right now in my district. You know, we've been using Google Classroom now since it came out. Um, we're a BYOD district. You know, we have a number of kids um, through the middle school and high school that are bringing in devices. And, um, you know, there, there's some good energy being built up around that, and, and we're testing the waters right now. But, um, you know, it's just a beautiful thing to see innovation moving from these small pockets to really a culture of testing 
risk-taking, trying, experimenting, and um, sharing the stories. And, and truthfully, Jeff, I don't hear most of them because they're going on every single day. The only way I can get to all of them is when I'm Twitter, and um, I wish I could be in the buildings much more. You know, I, I, I want to pick up on a couple things that you're mentioning here. At the top of the show, you had said technology is not technology if it was created before you were born, right? When yeah. is innovation not innovation? So that's a fantastic question, Jeff, right? We, we sit back and we, we, we probably, I think, I'm going to let me get back to this, right? I think we romanticize this idea of technology, right? We're constantly using technology as a means to an end, and I think that's bad use. I think that we have to tie all of this work to this one simple question. What is good work? What is good work? What are the tools to get us there? What does good work look like? What is the outcome? And frankly, build some really great lessons around learning objectives. You know, build, what are our learning objectives as we approach uh, a lesson? Is technology even a tool that we're going to use to do that? Is it an option for students? You know, I was talking with teachers today, and um, you know, oftentimes I get perceived as it's technology, all technology and nothing else. And that's the furthest thing from the truth with me, Jeff. I think technology has the opportunity to engage and empower kids and, and teachers. But I'll, I'll tell you the truth, Jeff. I own a Kindle, but I don't use it. I love reading books, and I tell that story all the time. We need personal choice in this matter. You know, we need to be able to express our learning, express our knowledge in different ways. And um, what concerns me is that you know, we limit those to perhaps it's an essay that I turn in on a piece of paper as opposed to a blog entry that I write or some sort of video that I produce. You know, we have to really allow kids to take that next step and give them the option to share share what it is that they, they know in their own medium. We're talking here with Dr. Bill Brennan from uh, Farmingdale Public Schools. And, Bill, i got to tell you, we've been talking here for about a half an hour about education, having a very, very amazingly deep conversation. I don't think we've used the word standards yet. Ooh. I'm so happy about that, too, I have to tell you. <laughs> I, I, I can't tell you how thrilled I am that I don't have to talk about standards, yet we can talk about students and, and, and being innovative of stuff like that. Where, where do you see this? I mean, are we on the upside of the rainbow, or are we looking on the other side of the pot of gold? Where, where are we right now? So, Jeff, I, it's great that you make that point, right, about standards. And one of the things that I've been recently talking about and writing about is really our need to balance this idea of accountability and innovation. You know, it's, it's, it's never one or the other. I think they're married together. And we have to find ways that, uh, you know, we can balance the two. And what does that mean? I mean, those are the conversations. You know, when you're a high school teacher, you got to produce results when it comes to the New York State Regents. When you're teaching in the elementary schools and middle schools, the children are taking an assessment at the end of the year that's going to be a New York State assessment. That's probably the case across the country. Um, so here's the thing, right? People ask me all the time, can you guarantee that my scores are going to go up? No, I can't. I can't. But I can tell you that if you try this, you're going to be uh, happier about teaching. Uh, your kids are going to be more engaged and, and more empowered. And I will tell you, this is not a scientific study, but I happen to believe that if kids are engaged and empowered and really passionate about the learning, they 
a feeling their test scores are going to go up a little bit. But, but, but Bill, I don't have any time in my classroom because there's only so many hours in the day. So you great, great point here, right? And, and I totally, completely, 100% respect the amount of work that teachers have and the amount of planning that goes into this. But here's the thing. Innovation is about doing things differently because there's an advantage to doing it, an advantage to yourself as a teacher and an advantage to students when it comes to learning. We have to stop layering on old practices. You know, there's a, a great conversation this morning, which I was really respectfully just pushing back, this idea of teachers having websites. And they've been doing this for quite a while. And it's, that's great. It's a great resource to put things. But as we talk about Google Classroom, as we talk about Remind, and we try all these new things, sometimes one or two of these things got to go. You know, and, and that's the decision or the, the choice you have to make. And um, we have to be prepared to do that. I vote for the standards to go. I um, so uh, as you know, Sir Kenneth Robinson says, you know, standards uh, for my cholesterol check are probably <laughs> important. Um, you know, and, and definitely. Um, but um, you know, I, I think there's got to be some sort of uh, an ex. Let's call it an expectation, right? And and let's keep it simple. What is good work? That's the question we should be asking every single day. That's the conversation we should be having with our colleagues, and that's the conversation we should be having with our kids and being able to show them what good work is. You know, talking with English teachers today, writing. Writing was not something that I loved to do in middle school and high school, Jeff. But now, as I start to try to write for a different audience, I'm going to tell you that I feel really energized about turning in something that's amazing. And that's a process for me. Um, I think if kids are given a different audience, they might push a little harder. You know, they might uh, be a little bit more involved in, in the work. Let's talk a little bit about that writing component there. I mean, in, in my own situation, I'm trying to teach my kids how to not write English essays, but I have them all on kid blog, and I'm trying to teach them the art of, you know, I call it speed writing. Of can you write a five paragraph, well thought out thing? but not take a week to do it, take a half an hour to do it. And we're talking about blog posts and headings and, 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 and tags and all of these different you know things that you and I do on our own blogs. Is that important these days? Is that, should that be part of the curriculum of you know the process of building a digital portfolio, building a blog, building a, a, an online presence? Should we have that as a class or as a component into a class? So, Jeff, that's a... <laughs> Great question. I think every every organization is is perhaps different, but I don't think it belongs as part of a class per se. Um, I, and if it does, I can't define where that takes place. You know, some will say that should take place in elementary school or middle school, but here's the thing, right? Um, and I'm going to ones who teach literacy, right? Uh, teach writing teach grammar and teach um, you know comprehension to some way uh, to some extent and they take the large majority of the responsibility for that one of the things that we're really excited about is the work that we've been doing in our middle school using a program called Achieve 3000 mm -hmm. where every single one of our teachers no matter what your subject your content area becomes a teacher and so we all try to help kids improve their comprehension, improve their literacy by giving them different level text, by giving them text that is uh, meaningful, meaningful to them. And so my point in sharing this story is that we're all teachers of technology, right? Because it's not about technology. It's just the tool. We don't have a uh, – do you have a director of pens in your district? No. <laughs> no. 
All right, so, you know, the, really, I mean, you know, did we have directors of Slate or whatever it was back in the day? No, but, um, and, and, I, and I say that softly. I really do, and I mean it. You know, it's, we're all in this uh, together. Um, that's what I start off every session I do in terms of professional development with our teachers. Um, Angela Meyer shared a, a slide the other day, which, um, you know, I've already used it a few times in some of my PD, and it's, if, if you want to go fast, go ahead, go alone. But if you want to go far, go in together. And so it always goes back to that point of building community, you know. And so you, 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 you can have collaboration, but you can't have really good collaboration without community. And so a lot of times that means having really powerful face-to-face -face meetings, conversations, inviting discourse. These are some of the most, the best organizations I come across are the best uh, you know, schools that I come across are the ones that are welcoming this discourse, pushing each other's thinking, challenging assumptions. You know, the, these conversations are starting to spring up more and more around the country. You know, right now, I think we're in the third or maybe even fourth year of this EdCamp movement, of this unconference, the, the, the idea that when you go to professional development, it should be something that you own. You should not be lectured to. You should be sitting down in a, you know, in a roundtable setting and just having a conversation about whatever the topic is. And I know that you're very deep into professional development. Talk to us a little bit about some of the PD opportunities that are offered up in your area in Long Island. Great. So um, first thing I'm going to share is that in Farmingdale two weeks ago, we held our superintendent's conference day. And um, I was preparing to do a, uh, I'm going to call it a work, wanted like an institute, something around technology. Once you give me that flexibility and that openness, I'm going to get crazy with the ideas, you know. But the reality is, is this. The more I thought about it, Jeff, I said to myself, right, it's never about transferring this from here to there. I can't come close to the collective wisdom that exists in our elementary schools with our teachers. What they're doing in their classrooms as content experts, as experts in instructional design and assessment is just phenomenal. So the question is, is how do I unleash that collective wisdom? How do I unleash the learning that's going on in there? And so we took a bold step. We ended up actually running an EdCamp experience for the day on our superintendent's conference day a couple weeks ago. And I jokingly said, you know, folks, I, I, I have a plan, but I'm going to tell you right now there is no plan. Don't tell anybody about that. There is no plan. And for most of them, they didn't know what an ed camp was. But to watch the natural leaders in the organization in the school emerge was amazing. To hear people just say, wow, we don't typically get the time and space to work with our colleagues. But to your point, not prescribe it, have them drive it has really been powerful. And, um, you know, we're going to use that model more and more across the district. Nice. What other opportunities are you uh, helping to create up in the Long Island area? So um, we last year, Farmingdale School District, in fact, Howitt Middle School, hosted for the very first time Long Island Connected Educators. Here's how this was born. Um, Last year, we had a great year. We had so many teachers, so many principals come on to Twitter, try new things. We were really building this capacity as what I like to call a digital age learning organization. And I'm going to be honest with you, Jeff. I felt like I was running out of steam, like I didn't have enough to give them anymore. You know, like, and it wasn't always about me giving. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it, it was like, how do I now 
refuel the early adopters, the ones that are really pushing the envelope. And I said to myself, I'm going to run a conference. Salt Long Island Connected Educators Meetup, and we're going to see if people are going to come. And so we closed registration at 200 people. And I say we, Tony Sinanis, the famous Tony Sinanis, who's uh, not too far from Farmingdale up in Jericho. Um, I spent time talking with my good friends Adam Bello and Tom Whitby, um, just talking about, hey, do you think we could pull this off? Do you mm -hmm. think we could pull it off an event? And, uh, and we did. So Howitt Middle School was proud to host um, numerous conversations. We had people from five states come, many from New Jersey. We always welcome New Jersey's uh, brilliance because there's a lot there. And, um, you know, we had conversations, which were session one and two. Um, they were structured. They were planned. People submitted proposals for conversations. And then what we did was the unthinkable for a lot of us on Long Island, which was third session, just a complete ed camp. And so it was cool. People just threw their names up, threw their topics up, and it was a fantastic experience. So we will offer that again on March 28, 2015 at Howitt Middle School. And registration is already over 100, and we wow. haven't even really pushed this out. And where can we go to find out more information about that? Uh, Long Island Connected Educators, and the website is liconnectededucators.org. Nice. 100% well, free. So check that out if you're in the, uh, what do we got, PA, New Jersey, New York, Connecticut, New England area. Certainly come on out. About how far of a drive is it from the city? So we're um, on a Saturday morning, typically no, no traffic. It's a, a good half hour to 45 minutes. If you're coming over a bridge, maybe it's going to take about an hour and 15 Nice. Definitely check that out. Um, so again, we're talking here with Dr. Bill Brennan. Bill, I want to say thank you so much for taking the time to come out today. Uh, before I let you go there, there is a small teacher cast tradition. Um, we have something called the Jersey Five. It is five questions that we ask educators when they come on the show. And I have to ask you, Bill, are you prepared to take the Jersey Five? I'm not sure, but I don't think I have a choice. But yes. <laughs> so we have five questions here, and uh, Dr. Bill, you are you are on the clock here. Uh, question number one: What is your favorite Twitter account or hashtag to follow? So I just literally connected with, uh, and I have to look him up. Is it Dave uh, Cumberhouse? Am I saying that right? I'm not sure. Uh, I, I'll have to get it in there later. <laughs> but uh, man, this guy is brilliant. Just connected with him. Uh, the other day because one of my principals connected with him. So uh, that's one of my favorite, and uh, I'm a big fan of uh, Sat Chat. But with Tony Sinanis, I'm also the co-founder of New York Ed Chat. So um, got to put that one out there. And where can we find uh, New York Ed Chat? So that's uh, every other Monday night at 8.30, hashtag New York Ed Chat. Uh, there's a different topic, different conversation going on, and uh, we have a website for that too. Um, you'd have to just Google New York Ed Chat. Nice. All right. Question number two. What is your favorite educational tool? Okay. So Twitter is probably my favorite tool because it's the source of my uh, newest and greatest learning. Nice. Number three, the best advice you have ever been given as an educator. Say that one more time. The best advice you've ever been given as an educator. Sometimes you have to go slow to go fast. Nice. Question number four. What do you hope your students remember about you when they graduate at the end of the year? I 
so I don't work directly with students, but I do have interactions with students quite frequently because I'll shadow them from time to time. And so um, I work with teachers a lot, and um, I just hope that they feel that um, I've shared a story or two that has uh, perhaps helped them and, and is uh, somebody that can do something that maybe not was possible the day before. Nice. And I've got to tell you, the fifth one here is pretty, pretty difficult, but what is the best teachable moment you've ever had? So I had the opportunity to go to all of my faculty meetings and tell stories around Twitter. And not one of those stories, Jeff, had anything to do with education. They were personal stories about my family, an experience. I have a different Twitter account that I use to get some advice about, you know, um, with, with, with just family-related stuff. And, um, you know, when you tell stories like that, you really connect with people, and that's what it's about. It's about the connection. That's what my article was about, you know, The Secret Life of Change. It's about making that connection to people, and um, you know when it happens, and um, I love when that happens. Talking to Dr. Bill Brennan. Bill, thank you so much for coming on the program tonight. Where can we get a hold of you? So, Jeff, I'm at uh, Dr. Bill Brennan uh, on Twitter, and I also just maintain a simple little website at uh, Brennan Learning. Dot com, and I also encourage everyone to check out Long Island Connected Educators, uh, March 28th, 2015. It's going to be a blast. Excellent. If you're in that area, you've got to check out that conference. I, I, the, the Twitter buzz was quite amazing last time, and uh, if you're in the area, certainly check that out. Dr. Bill, thank you so much again, and uh, good luck with everything else for the school year. Thank you, Jeff. It's always a pleasure. Well, my friends, that wraps up the 109th episode of the TeacherCast podcast. I want to thank again Dr. Bill Brennan for coming on and spending some time with us today. There's, of course, many ways that you can connect with TeacherCast here. You can, of course, visit us online at TeacherCast.net. Leave us a voicemail at TeacherCast.net slash voicemail. Email us at feedback at TeacherCast.net. Find us on Twitter at TeacherCast. And, of course, subscribe to our many video channels and audio channels over at TeacherCast.net slash iTunes and TeacherCast.net slash YouTube. And, of course, while you're there, don't forget to write us a big review and leave some comments and thumbs up on our videos. Thank you for allowing TeacherCast to be a part of your professional development network, and I hope you take a moment to share TeacherCast with your PLN. My name is Jeff Bradbury. Please join me on TeacherCast.tv each and every Sunday night, bringing you the best in educational programming at 7 o'clock on the Tech Educator Podcast, and again at 8 o'clock for the 30-second take podcast featuring administrator Brad Gustafson. Until next time, keep up the great work in your classrooms and continue sharing your passions with your students.